All right, everybody, this is your last chance to buy one of the two crew hoodies. The link is in our Instagram and Twitter bio. Go check it out. 100% of the profits of the sale of these sweatshirts is going directly to Back on My Feet, one of the best charities in the sport. So rock one of these awesome two crew hoodies and support a really awesome charity. We need your help, two crew. Go check it out. This is Peak Too Early. Presented by SAV Racing, featuring Mike Gendron, Trent Fontanella, and Steve Gendron. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the greatest running podcast in the world, Peak Too Early. I'm one of your hosts, Steve Jenner, and I'm joined by Mike Jenner, who is down in Medfield. Still working on it. I kind of um, like that. That was fun. That kind of got me amped up a little bit. I liked it. Mike, how uh, you doing? I'm Steve. I'm doing good. Let, let me, I want to tell you a little story. So I don't, I, I can't remember if I uh, talked about my Dunkin' Donuts experience on my long run a couple weeks ago but there's this dunkin donuts that is kind of perfectly placed on my lung run route where it's like four or five i think it's like four miles to go in my long run and so i'll grab some water earlier on in my run when i loop back by my house and then on the way home i'll stop by quick and i'll grab a powerade at the dunkin donuts and then I'll, i'll finish my run in uh, so a couple weeks ago I came in, it was like a super hot day and I was like, and I had fallen on the run. So I was just muddy and gross, and disgusting. So I go into the Dunkin Donuts and this lady's looking to me like, you know, like uh, she saw a ghost or something. She can't believe it. So it was a very awkward experience. Well, on my long run this weekend, I'm coming in and it was a cooler day. So I wasn't like quite as sweaty or gross or anything like that, but I was sweaty enough and I had been running with my phone lately and uh, so I go in and I go to buy my Gatorade with Apple Pay and my screen is so like sweaty and my hands are sweaty that I just can't get the screen to work for me. The buttons I'm pressing, like the one on my keypad and the three is hitting. So I can't hit my finally I get the Apple Pay ready to go. I'm ready to pay. I go to hit it and my wife calls me, screws it up. <laughs> so I have to, like I immediately cancel the phone call. So to her, I'm on a long run. I've been gone for like an hour and a half. She starts calling me back rapid fire. I keep canceling out of it. This woman is now there's like a line building up behind me. I'm like sweaty in the Dunkin Donuts. I can't get my phone to work. I pick up my phone. I'm like, give me one second. I'm trying to do something. So I hang up the phone on her. Finally, after this like long ordeal, I am able to buy my Powerade. But it was like I was rolling on this run. I was feeling great. It was my better long runs. And then I had to spend, you know, an eternity in Dunkin Donuts just trying to get my apple pay to work so yeah that's uh that's my escapades from from this week's long run <laughs> i i i've never had quite had that situation but i've definitely had the like holy crap what did this guy just do where is he coming yeah. from look like i'm i'm used to it at this point the worst is when i'm on the road and i'm at a hotel and i go out and i'm like drenched in sweat and i come back and i'm like please nobody get in the elevator with me please nobody get in the elevator. and sure enough every single time somebody gets in the elevator with me and i'm like dripping sweat and it's the most awkward thing in the world so i yeah. definitely know the feeling it was so awkward to say like we were saying there so long just like not saying anything that she was doing thing where she was like lightly like drumming on her register like, <laughs> try, like do anything that would like make the situation less awkward. it was so weird Oh man, that that is that is brutal. So, uh, quick, quick, just quick, thirty second check in. How's training going? How you feeling? We are thirty. We're bottom. We are when this podcast comes out. We are exactly a month away from Indy. How are we feeling? Yeah. So I would say I had that long run like a month ago. I was telling you that was like one of my best long runs. I was feeling great. I would say I had a stretch of like two to three weeks and long runs that were just a grind and I was, it, it was just tough. I, I was not having good runs this week. I felt like it all kind of came back around, you know, you're going to go through stretches of ups and downs this week. I felt like I had my best week of running in a while. My long run went great. Uh, I was feeling a little bit fresher. So I would say this, 
mentally, I'm doing a lot better this week. And we, we kind of talked about some of lost pat oh geez, the last podcast, uh, where it was like one run, one good week can really turn around your your mental game. I do feel like this week was after me. It was kind of like a a, a restart or refresh. I'm feeling much better. Yeah, no, that's good. We are uh I got I got a 22 on Saturday and then uh then kind of a half marathon simulator and then it's done. I got two more two more tough runs left. I'm done. Um I did a uh I ran a 5k this week, uh this weekend, and uh I ran my fastest 5k in six years. So uh no no long run this weekend, a little bit of kind of like a speed, it was kind of like a speed test this weekend. I did a lot of miles significantly faster than I've been doing, seeing if I can, you know, just get my pace down a little bit. So no speed work, all strength and fitness. And uh I'm running, I'm running, you know, my 30 plus 5k PR. So um things are things are looking good. Well, I mean, all it's it's all it's all gonna come down to my 22 mile run this weekend, right? If that goes well, a huge run. Uh, I'm going to be, I'm going to be feeling great. If it goes shitty, I'm going to be very scared. So it, it all comes down to that. So I, uh, I did a long run. I'm going to Vermont this weekend. I did a long run in Vermont a couple weeks ago and it was just horrible, miserable. I was up and down what felt like mountains every other half mile. So I spent like an hour at work today when I should have been doing other very important stuff, like researching places I could get my long run in. Cause that's where I'm at. I'm, you know, it's a Monday and I'm thinking about like, I got to find a place I can do a long run up there. Is this your last think, long run though? Uh, it's not my last long run. I have two more, but this is a big one. This is a, this is, is my first, longest? this is, this will be my longest. Yeah. So this Eight is a big 20? one. Doing 21. Why are you doing it in Vermont? Cause I'm gonna be in Vermont. Don't see. Don't worry. I found. I found a spot. Why it's are you that, going to Vermont and doing a 22 mile run? Why are you, you crazy? My whole my whole weekend's gonna be built around my 22 mile. I ju- I just told you. I I spent an hour today finding a sweet flat run along the West River in Brattleboro, Vermont. It is gonna be awesome. It's gonna be awesome. All right. Well, have fun doing that. But uh. All right, well, we have on the podcast today, we got a big interview, Mike. It's been a while since we've had an interview, but, you know, like we said probably a year ago at this time, we're going to kind of pick and choose our interviews. We're not going to just grind out an interview every single week because that gets tiring. It gets tedious. And you know what? I don't know if the quality of those types of interviews are that good. So we're going to pick and choose who we want to have on the podcast, when we want to have them on the podcast. And uh, this guy is a guy that we've been talking about nonstop since we had him on the podcast just about two years ago. Uh, Grant Fisher, he just got the American record in the 5K. Um, unbelievable uh, uh, runs at, at the World Championships where he finished fourth and sixth and some you know really, really close finishes in the, in the 5K and, and 10K. Um, so he's a guy that we've kind of had like, you know, we want to get him on, uh, had him on today. Awesome interview. I mean, this was, this was a great conversation with Grant. I had a lot of fun talking to him, Mike. Yeah, Steve, I, I just want to shed some light onto our listeners here and a discussion that we've had kind of offline and, you know, I'm going to be completely frank early on, we were banging out interviews, trying to get everybody under the sun because listen, that is how you get engagement. That's how you gain listeners, how people find the podcast we we decided and and that's what every podcast in in the in the running world is doing they're trying to find that guest where they can get more listeners we've decided we're not doing that anymore we don't care we got we got the two crew we want to give out quality interviews we want to interview the people that we want to interview we want to have the conversations that we want to have on our terms and it's not about trying to like find that we got to get this guest here we got no it's about having a, a a good conversation with guys that we like we like talking to and that's what this was i mean the, we the you always it's like one of my favorite things when you have the uh you do the interview and you finish it and then you end up talking with the the guy for another like 10 15 minutes after the interview it's like oh man this is the best like that's that's a sign of of you know what we're trying to do here so yeah i i love talking to grant he's the man and uh you know i i i uh talked him up a little bit in this in in this interview and i uh you know maybe made him uh try and say some things that he was never gonna say but you know we did our best yeah oh let's uh let's get into i I mean he he doesn't really grant needs no introduction i mean he's he's becoming 
the guy in American distance running. Let's get into our interview with Grant Fisher. All right, what's up, boys? We got How's an American going, record holder in the house. Congrats, <laughs> man. Welcome yeah, back you, to man. the podcast, dude. We are so pumped for you. Ah, yeah, dude, I, thank I, you, I, man. Really great to talk to you. I know we've been uh we've been uh we've been trying to catch up for a little while, but it's been a while since we've had you since we've chatted. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I've been on the road a lot, so I'm I'm back stable in the US. So yeah. Um yeah, yeah, yeah. You got me uh got me at a good time. Grant, I think we were just kind of chatting. The last time we talked, I think was like, you know, during COVID and everything. And the thing you were best known for was uh your your armband dealio. And now it's like, all right, you're known for a few more things than uh from the silly armband videos. <laughs> yeah, the armband thing, I was getting trolled pretty hard for that one. But <laughs> um yeah, man, maybe they work. Maybe maybe, maybe they work. <laughs> Well, I, I know we're kind of we're kind of jumping right in here, but um, you know, we we so we had you on. I I look back, we had you on September two thousand and twenty, um, and at the time, I think you were fairly new pro, and um, you know, I I think everybody we were excited to have you on. We followed your whole college career, and we everybody you know everybody in the the peak too early community thought you were going to be a good pro. We didn't know how good you were going to be, but I remember. Like we were asking questions and I was even kind of going back and kind of skimming through some of the questions that we asked. And, um, you know, we we're talking about how you have dual Canadian citizenship, Canadian citizenship. And we were talking about like, well, you're going to go to the trials in Canada because, you know, I mean, it might be a little bit more of a sure thing to, to, to make the Olympics in Canada, but you're like, no, I'm going after the Olympic trials. And the reason I bring that up is because everybody at the time thought that you were going to be, a good pro but i think you were probably the only one that kind of knew how good you were going to be or how good you could be because there's a difference between being a good pro and being a top contender in the world and i think that's something that you've proven over the past year year and a half that you are absolutely in the conversation for every big 5k 10k race which is unbelievable yeah yeah thanks man yeah i mean a lot has changed since we last spoke um uh, only in, in good ways for me. So, um, yeah, man, it's, it's been a fun, I guess that was almost exactly two years ago now. Um, it's been a fun two years and, uh, yeah, I guess if you look back, you could see kind of my mindset and, and how it was back then. Um, a lot of external things have changed since then. And a lot of different times are attributed to my name and, and performances, but, uh, the mindset remains. Um, and so, yeah, I think that served me well. We're, we are so stupid, like pretending like you should go run at the Canadian trials. Like sometimes we just say <laughs> things and we very, we very rarely have to like, you know, look back and like be accountable for the We come in here every week and just say stupid stuff every week. But now it's like, this is one of those moments. Like we're so dumb. We're so dumb. I, I mean, you, you guys like, how, how are you supposed to know? I mean, on paper, uh, I was relatively successful in college it wasn't like lights out lights out um but it was very good and then my first year as a pro I was kind of getting my feet wet and um getting better but um yeah I mean tough to make any big projections like that I mean the the past two years have surprised myself too I mean a lot of the things that um that have happened in the past year and a half like those were like career goals um when I first became a pro like making an Olympic team, breaking 13 minutes, um, being in diamond league races, competing for wins, stuff like that. Um, things have moved a lot faster than, than I, than I even like projected out, um, and hope for. So, uh, yeah, those are good feelings, but now, nah, man, no blame on you guys. I mean, come on. Like, <laughs> what? So you, I mean, you're, you're talking about kind of getting your feet wet in your first year. Was there, you know, I mean, we see the races, right? And we see the results. We see the ra races that you do well in. But is there was there a time that people may not have seen where it was kind of like a turning point mindset for you? Where you're like, oh, I belong here and I I am capable of amazing things in this sport. Like just to kind of break through the because I'm sure there's I'm sure there's ups and downs, especially as like a new pro. But was there that moment where it's like, oh, like. I can do this. Like I, I belong, I belong in these big meets. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, 
probably the big moment for me was actually in training um, my first year as a pro. Uh, during the the height of the first wave of COVID, uh, so that would have been like April of 2020. Yeah, April 2020. Our team broke off into these little fragmented groups because at the time we didn't know anything about COVID really. Everyone was pretty panicked. So um, I got paired up with uh, Mohamed and Lopez Lamong. And at the time, um, Mo was coming off of multiple Canadian records, a world championship medal. Uh, Lopez is Lopez. He's accomplished everything from 800 up to 10K. Um, and I was just a kid out of college. And um, I, I was getting my ass beat every day with those two. But just being able to, to do 80%, 90% of the workout with those guys, having them encourage me along. And um, after about six weeks with those guys, I started to really think like, you know, these guys are world class. And if I can hang with them now, um, another year of training under my belt, and um, maybe I can be world class too. Um, and th that's kind of how it went. I mean, it was kind of a, a storybook year. The, the following year went, uh, ran my first 10K uh, in March and made the US 10K team a few, few months later and uh, 10K in the Olympics. You know, all these things happened really, really quickly. But I think that the, a big turning point in my mind where I was like, I, I actually do belong here at this level was, yeah, and training with those guys. And, um, you know, those are fantastic opportunities to have. You know, there's few groups in the world where you can train with an, a medalist um, in your event and have them kind of help you along and nurture your talent and kind of believe in you too. Um, yeah, like I said, the training was hard. Uh, I was I was getting crushed. But uh, that opened my mind to uh, the possibilities. And, um, that's always a good thing. I, I think sometimes, uh, you know, especially Americans, sometimes we look at the global stage as, uh, the show of the, uh, the non-Americans, the, the Europeans, the East Africans, all these countries that are historically so strong at distance running. And we kind of don't think of ourselves in that light. Um, and I've, I think of myself in that light too. And, you know, hopefully by the time I'm done running, people think of the U S in that way too. Oh, I think everybody thinks of you in that light now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean like, do, but like, seriously, like if you go back before the Olympics, like looking into that and, you know, I think we all kind of had that mentality. It's like, you were already starting to run really well. You, you had nice trials and I, you know, we're talking about the USA team and, you know, Oh yeah. You know, like, I, I think we could have some pretty good performances there. like our, our squad going in, but I don't know if any of us were, you know, talking about you meddling and like, I guess just like, honestly going into those Olympics, did you think like a fourth place and a sixth place and being like on the verge, so close to, to meddling was a possibility. I mean, like where did, was that the kind of confidence level you have, or did you still leave that like surprising yourself? Well, at the, going into the Olympics, I, I, you know, medals weren't crossing my mind medals at the Olympics. I was just trying to survive the Olympic races yeah. and make it as far as I can, uh, fast forward a year to the world championships this past year. And, uh, oh, medals were hundred percent in my mind. Um, that was my goal to medal at the world championships at on us soil in, the, in Eugene. Um, and man, I got close. It, it like, uh, those races, you know, I still replay them in my head, just like what one decision uh, could have been, um, what one different decision could have been. So, um, yeah, man, medals were on my mind. That was that was the goal. That was the target. Um, and sometimes when you set goals like that, you don't get them. Uh, but um, I've come more to terms with those races since just understanding that fourth and sixth in the world is, you know, in a, in a sport like running where you really feel like it's anyone in the world could do it. Um, there's not many barriers to entry. That's a good feeling. And, and you have to excuse my co-host. He's got a, he's got a nine month at, at home. I think he was confusing the Olympics <laughs> and world championship. Yeah, I mean, no, a ninth and a fifth at the Olympics is pretty damn good too. But since, okay. So we, we got so much to talk about, but we're talking about world championship and I got a couple things I want to bring up. So, um, yeah. the, the, the sixth and the 10 K and, um, it was, it was an incredible race. It was anybody's race. I mean, you take anybody from the, you know, from 
um, from two to where you finished or six or seventh and like any, any one of those runners could have been on the podium. Um, you ran a, a, a fantastic race. And I think I even like sent you a message after it was like, dude, like that after watching that, I believe that there's medals plural in your future. Um, and then just the next race in the 5k, you, you finish fourth. Um, you know, I love to talk tactics and I love to talk like I, I don't like to go too deep on this podcast. I like to pick one race and just talk yeah. some tactics. So we're going to we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it. And there's so many things that unfolded in that last turn that you said. It might have made the difference between a medal or not. Um, and I think like you're coming around that turn, you're keeping pace with the with the with the top two guys. Um, it's looking like you, you got enough to hold it. K-Rop, uh, crop, uh, crop starts slowing down just a little bit enough where you have to make the decision. Do I maintain, stay on him? Do I bounce out? Do I go around him? I'm kind of going top speed already. So he slows down just enough to screw things up and correct me if I'm wrong. Cause this is as a viewer, this is how I see it. He slows it down just enough to screw things up. And then your teammate and it like, it's one of those things It's bang, bang. It's hard to it's hard to fault anybody for this, but your teammate Mo runs up on you and then it kind of all falls apart. So um, can you kind of break down that last turn and what's happening and what's kind of going through your head at like now that you're going to be able to digest it? I'm sure there's a million things going through your head uh, at right after it, but now that you're able to, uh, to, to let it digest, maybe you've watched it a couple of times. What's your assessment of what happened there? Yeah, so um, I'll I'll go back a little bit. So maybe with like two or three laps to go, um, one of the the audibles that I was thinking about calling was to go to the front and push it. Um, that strategy had served me well in the past. It served me well at the US 5K Championship. Um, the, the there's been some races where I've done that and it's it's gone really well. So um, what ended up happening was Jakob Ingebrigtsen ended up going to the front. And doing essentially the strategy that I had thought, which was push it from like 1200 out. Um, and so we squeezed quite a bit. And, you know, when someone else is doing that for you, it's almost a win-win because the result is that the race strings out and people are tired, but you don't have to be the one at the front doing all that work. Um, so I wanted to, you know, ride that, that move and be in a good position with a lap to go, with 300 to go, with 200 to go, with 100 to go. And I was in third place um, coming into that final bend. So you're about 150 meters from the finish line. And I'm right behind Crop. And um, like you said, Crop, you know, it's a natural thing when you're running. You see a lot of people kind of flare wide on the curve and then flare wide on the home stretch. Uh, and it's just kind of a natural thing. Like you just kind of do it. I don't know why. You're just really tired and maybe you can't corner as well you're going as really like as fast as you can um but you kind of flare wide so so crop kind of slows up and steps out um and all it took was i took like i jumped to the inside so i jumped to his inside shoulder and i uh, took maybe three or four steps and had kind of um closed down the gap so i wasn't directly behind him anymore i was kind of just on his shoulder just kind of staggered off. Um, and then he had the, the right of way technically, and he stepped back to the inside of the lane. And so I had about one to two steps to figure out what I was going to do. And it was either go inside and potentially get DQ'd for going inside of the rail, step on the rail and probably fall or hold my ground and me and crop probably fall. Um, and so the, the only viable option at that point, at least in my very tired mental state, I decided was to slow down and chop up my steps. So I chop up actually, and, and Mo doesn't actually clip me. I, I rewatched the video and it, it does kind of look like Mo clips into me just because it was abrupt. Um, but I don't remember that at all. I don't think Mo actually touched me. I just, when you're running that fast and you chop up your steps, it's just like you're flailing around, you know, and you lose all momentum. So I went from being in third place and then all of a sudden I, I, I slow down, I flail about, I finally get outside and I look up and I'm in eighth with a hundred to go. And it was like, dude, I was like in, in metal position 
and you know you you see it all just slip like like that and i felt like i ran 99% of that race great um conserved energy moved up at the right times and um made the right decisions and was in good positions uh my bad decision was when crop slowed up a little bit and stepped outside that i should have not gone inside it, it, it's easy to say looking back but you don't want to be on the inside shoulder with 150 to go you want to be on the outside shoulder um you know sometimes those lessons stick the best when they're done at the highest uh with the highest stakes with the highest consequence and uh that was a high consequence um so that one that one really frustrated me and that honestly motivated me so much to go to europe after and and beat all those guys that that beat me um to like show to myself that you know i am capable of of being world class and being able to get top 3 in a in an elite race yeah it's so, I love hard, it's so hard though to, to make that call and so hard to look back because so say it does work out say it say you do make that move on the inside and it's a gamble that pays off and you have a perfect lane to a silver medal right like it's one of those things you can you can go back and you could you can analyze it a million different ways but at the end of the day like you said i i i just ran you know most of a 5k at 13 minute pace and i'm supposed to make a split second decision um that's going to impact my entire block of training for this year in like a, a fraction of a second. That's an impossible call. So I, I don't know. I, I, I hear what you're saying, but I, I think that's okay to make that call. And cause <laughs> it's the only thing you can do in that moment. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like you said, you go inside and it opens up and you look like a genius, but if you go inside and it doesn't, you look like an idiot. Yeah. So like <laughs> I, I, it, the, the correct thing to do and like definitely going forward is to be on the outside shoulder. It just gives you more leeway. It doesn't put you in a position to get pinched. Yeah, you might run a, a slightly longer line, but um, at that point, I, I think it's worth it where body position and race position is so important and a clear path is so important. Um, you don't want to put that in someone else's hands. First of all, I love like listening to you break down that little segment. It really, it really like feels like listening to, you know, a quarterback break down, like, you know, going through their reads or something like that, or, you know, just like watch, listening to, you know, somebody who knows their craft, break, break it down because everything you just said happened in like a split second. And I know for me, I was sitting on my couch, actually at that point, not sitting on my couch, standing, uh, screaming at the television. And for me, I felt like everything was going a million miles an hour. Steve, I think we were actually, I don't think we were together, but I think maybe we were zooming together or something like that during the race. And we, I just screaming my head off, not really know what's going on. And I'm sitting there watching the race and it's happening fast for me. So for you to like actually be in the moment, it's going 10 times faster, but it's just, it's fascinating to hear it uh, from your perspective. My second point on that is, uh, you know, you mentioned that you don't think you ever made contact with with Mo and I, I appreciate you not throwing your team under the bus, but behind closed doors, did you at least come on like rattle his cage a little bit and like kind of give him a hard time, you know, it, you know, in the locker room, be like, oh, Mo, you, you cost me a silver medal. <laughs> um, you know, uh, right after the race, Mo came up to me and he was like, "Dude, I'm I'm so sorry. I don't <laughs> know if I touched you. I don't think I did, but if I clipped you, man, like I am so so sorry." And I, you know, you can't as a guy then and I, I was so mad at myself at that point uh, i didn't really want to talk to anybody so yeah. um no no i didn't really razz him too much and um it, I, I guess even after like it's somewhat of a sensitive topic so I, I haven't i haven't really brought it up too many times with the guys to to open up the floodgates to get to get roasted on but um yeah yeah um yeah looking back on the video man it, it looks like it's so hard to tell anything actually occurred almost. Um, but when, yeah, when you're, when you're moving that quick and your steps are that close, like, you know, you're, if you ever watch a, a video of people running in a pack, especially kicking, you know, you see someone's foot strike, like barely missing the guy in front of them. Like you're really close to each other. Um, so the margins are tight. Yeah. And are they getting tighter? I, I don't know if it's, I'm just, I'm just, paying closer attention to it than I ever have. But I feel like, especially in the 5k, 10k, I feel like it's tighter than it's been. Um, at least, you know, in kind of 
you know, the previous decade or so, I feel like it's, it's almost watching these 5k, 10ks come down to the wire. It's like watching a 1500. I, I just feel like it's, it's, it's a, it's an aggressive all spurt to the finish where I think for most of my life, it wasn't necessarily that way. And I think it's just a testament to how the sport's growing and getting better. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's a lot, uh, a lot of depth these days. Um, you know, you don't have, like when I was growing up, Mo Farah was the the king of the 5k, 10k. And um, it was pretty undisputed that he was the best. And, you know, when it came down to the last 150 meters, he was usually clear of everybody except maybe one or two guys. Um, you know, even though we have the world record holder in the event right now, um, like you said, these races are still coming down to the last 50 meters, the last 100 meters. Um, it's a lot tighter. And, uh, you know, even off of a fast pace, it's that way. So, um, yeah, maybe a little more depth, maybe just less clear of who the best guy is. Um, you see people go back and forth where Mo would just win everything. Um, you know, you might see Chepta guy win, and then you might see Jakob win. Uh, you could see Jacob Krop win. Like it's going more, more around, um, than, than it did, you know, when I was growing up. So yeah, maybe those margins are, are a little closer. Hey, makes it more entertaining from a gambler's perspective. So yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> not not much gambling allowed in track. I feel like that that could be a whole other topic, but uh, oh, it's growing. Yeah, it's yeah. growing, Grant. That's 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 one of the main topics that we talk about. They even have they had some they had some gambling on um, like DraftKings and stuff like that for Diamond League this year, which is huge. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I mean, so the the, the nice thing is if you follow the sport pretty closely, whoever makes those odds are usually not very good at it. Um, so you, you, if you follow things, you might even know that someone's hurt and they have them as, you know, a, a pretty nice favorite. So, um, I don't know if a, a bot is making those lines based on PRs <laughs> or seasons best, or if there's a human behind it, but in its rudimentary state, if you know the sport, uh, I feel like you could, you could do pretty well. So Grant, we, we've talked about, I mean, we've been banging the gambling drum for, three four years now on this podcast and we've every time an event comes up where DraftKings has lines whether it's you know the world championships or olympics or diamond league meet we have that same conversation where it's like listen we've been following this along and we know better than these like bookmakers like they they don't know what they're talking about we are about to make so much money And we have lost so much money. So, I mean, listen, I get like, there's definitely people out there who know more and follow like more hardcore than we do. But at the end of the day, yeah, they, you know, and maybe it's like we get out of control and get crazy and try and do like silly things and sometimes play with our, our hearts money and stuff like that. But I can promise you this concept of like, Oh, like we know better and we're going to make more money. (laughs) They, they get theirs they get theirs all right yeah yeah maybe harder than i than i'm <laughs> yeah. letting on but uh it, at least it's 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 a compelling thing and it you know um gambling introduces the, the possibility for problems within the sport um you've seen that in other sports before but sure. it does give people some skin in the game it um you know sometimes i can see it it's hard to see a diamond league race and know who to cheer for you know who who do you follow um it, it I think some gambling, which every other sport kind of has, um, would kind of spice things up a little bit, you know, maybe open us to a new market, um, give yeah, people dri- something to cheer for. It drives me nuts when people talk about like how, you know, it would all of a sudden make this, the sport so dirty and people would like throw races and stuff like that. And yeah, sure. It could absolutely happen. Like you said, it's happened in other, other sports. Um, but it's just like, why, First of all, like I don't see Grant Fisher going out there throwing any races any anytime soon. Second of all, it's like why would we treat our sport any differently than any other major sport out there? Every major sport in the world is completely embracing the gambling culture, and um, you know there's ways to monitor uh, you know the clean sport and like the the fairness of it. And it's like why would why are we going to get on our high horse and treat it any differently than other sports do? Well, it, it, I mean, the biggest thing is it opens the floodgates to the amount of money that can come into the sport, right. which I think everybody should be on because it's just a matter of time. If there's, if there's more money coming to sport, it's just a matter of time before that goes to the players. I mean, I mean, the, look at uh, college sports for the longest time, you know, 
people have been able to, uh, you know, gamble on college football. Those athletes aren't getting paid college football, college fast basketball. Now there's been some issues in the past and they, those are kind of ironed out, but now players in college can make money because in a big part of that is because there's, there's more uh, revenue streams coming in. There's more money coming into the sport. Um, And I think every sport has had to unfortunately go over the obstacle of cheating, but I feel like once, or, or, or kind of messing around with gambling in a legal sense. But once you kind of get over that, that hurdle, almost every single sport hasn't looked back. Um, so it may be like a Band-Aid thing where it might happen a couple times, but once you get over that hurdle, the sport's better for it in the long term. Yeah, and I, I think it was a, a great point brought up, which was uh, why are we treating our sport differently than every other sport? That applies to so many things. Yeah. There's a lot of things about our sport that's antiquated. The model is is rather antiquated. I think it's probably rooted in some some relics of amateurism that, that was in our sport for a long time. Um, but there's several things, and gambling is one of them. Um, that you know, we we in my opinion, we should embrace a little bit more and explore the options. And you know, there's there's different ways that gambling could be introduced without allowing for races to be thrown for uh competitions to to kind of be thrown if you're only allowed to gamble on positive things rather than negative things um like if you if you gamble a lot on someone dropping out of a race and they drop out like that you know (laughs) there might be something going on there but if you're gambling on someone winning a diamond league race there'd have to be a lot of things coordinated to actually fix that you'd have to have enough money to de-incentivize everybody in the race that that's viable to win uh, to throw it and give it to this person. And, uh, I, I think that would be pretty hard. Um, maybe I'm overlooking this and, and, and not thinking of human greed, but I, I think, I think there's ways to structure it that would make it really hard to, to fix races and competition. So, um, yeah, I, I think the the gambling piece, um, I know there's been like fantasy track, uh, they've tried, um, I don't think it's it's been done perfectly, but it's a start. It's a step in a good direction to keep with the times. Um, there are other individual sports like ours that have thrived, golf, tennis, cycling, F1, um, things like that. And, and those are great models that we can follow, um, but uh, we're not there yet. So hopefully uh, some of those things that have worked really well for them can can kind of filter into our sport eventually. Mac Fleet, I think, said it best. He said, there's no reason track and field shouldn't at least be as big as horse racing because it's kind of the same idea, um, but you're adding uh, you're adding personalities, you're adding storylines, you're adding, you know, careers that people can follow to uh, one of the biggest kind of gambling sports out there. So I, yeah. I let's let's take that model and let's add track and field. I want to win place show in the 5k. I want to, I want to place a win place show bet in the 5k. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I, uh, my next question, you're not going to want to answer, but that's okay. And and I think before I ask it, I I should say this kind of leads into it is I think someone like you, you know, kind of up and coming star in the, in this sport and, um, for the USA, the talking in this way and kind of leading the charge can make a difference. Right. I mean, like you, you're becoming, an advocate for for the sport and some people really respecting the sport so you talking kind of pushing for the sport to be better uh really matters so that kind of goes into into my next question so you've had major i could look at steve's face he's so scared the way i let him i'm terrified i'm like what are you gonna do (laughs) (laughs) so you've had major success on the u.s stage you've had international success you have american records in the 3k the 5k, the 10k. Listen, Grant, whether you want to talk about it and be humble or not, legacy is, you know, it matters. And, and I, I refuse to believe you haven't thought about legacy and guy in your mid twenties. I mean, in my opinion, you are an international uh, medal away from being considered one of, if not the greatest American track distance runner ever. I mean, have you thought about that? And do you, do you believe it? Do you believe what I am saying to you? And does it matter to you? Um, 
Yeah, I, a lot of people have been asking me similar questions over the past um, several weeks. Actually, the first person to bring it up was um, was Sean, Sean McGordy. Um, great friend of mine, great guy. He brought it up after, uh, I think it was after Worlds. So at this point, um, I hadn't broken the 3K American record or the 5K. Um, and he said something like, hey, I think you're you're on a, a path where you can, you know, when you retire, you might be considered one of the the best Americans to ever do it in the distance side. And I was like, man, that uh, coming from Sean, who, who doesn't always speak like that and someone that I trust, he, he's not just going to toss that around. Um, I was like, whoa, uh, cause I hadn't really thought about that. Um, and, uh, yeah, especially after this whole season concluded, yeah, people were in my ear about, you know, what does this mean in the grand scheme of things? I mean, that's for other people to interpret and decide, um, you know, medals are are ultimately the goal in the sport. The biggest races that we run are the Olympics and World Championships. And Olympics way is way bigger than the World Championships. Um, every four years, the world cares about track for about a week. And uh, that ties into our other discussion of like, why can't they care for it, you know, the rest of the time? But yeah, that, that goes back. Um, I, I'd say that the legacy that I want to leave most is that the U.S. is a elite distance running country. Um, I kind of alluded to this uh, maybe 20 minutes ago, but um, the way that I grew up, people would would speak about uh, Kenya and Ethiopia and Uganda as these great distance running nations, and you know these guys are built for it. All these things, and um, sometimes when you hear that all the time, it doesn't feel like that's you. Um, and it, it'd be really cool when I retire, if, uh, you know, kids growing up, they hear that, you know, the U S is tossed into that conversation as well. And think of themselves as someone that can go on the global stage and compete with these guys that, um, are specimens for distance running. I mean, it, these guys are, are very elite. They're really hard to beat and, uh, they're fantastic competitors. Um, but if, if I can open those floodgates, um, that'd be a cool feeling more than anything. Um, and of course, I want to pick up some medals along the way. Um, I think there'll be some more opportunities. Um, so, yeah, maybe you can grab some of those if uh, if things fall right. And um, yeah, man, the 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 ranking uh, that's for other people to decide. Right now, I'm just trying to be the best that that I can be. That's for nerds like us on a podcast to debate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's great. The, the debate is great. I mean, some people. No, no, like, I, I'm just kidding. Uh, people like shit on podcasts or let's run sometimes but like it's healthy like we want people talking about the sport and and discussing things like you think you think in the nba there's not like thousands of message boards where people just say random stuff that maybe doesn't make sense maybe uh you know they're, they're just it's like the barbershop conversation like you're just talking there's and entire the franchises on espn that are just dedicated to lebron versus mj <laughs> that's all exactly. they do exactly and and the more our sport hopefully grows, the more athletes have to be okay with people talking about those things. Yeah. Um, maybe being more critical, um, you know, maybe doing more interviews. Like you finish an NBA game and you have to do a press conference. You get fined if you don't. And, you know, runners are a bit more recluse, I think by nature, distance runners. But um, if we want this thing to continue expanding, you have to be okay with those conversations occurring. Um, maybe be open to a little more criticism. Yeah, I mean, I, I would never shit on Let's Run, first of all. That's, that's not <laughs> something I've ever done. Um, but no, I like I, I only ask that question because it kind of goes back to what we're talking about, like treating our sport like other sports. And the reason I asked that question was very targeted and specific because that is a conversation that happens 24-7 on ESPN in every sport. Whoever like the, the, the new guy is, whether it be you know, LeBron or Mahomes or, you know, whatever. It's like, is this guy the greatest of all time? How many times on ESPN do they say the GOAT, the greatest of all time? Yeah. And like, that's what people want to talk about. For whatever reason, that moves the needle. And, you know, listen, if we're going to talk about stuff and try and move the needle, it's a pretty clear argument, you know, like slowly building for you. And I, but I do like your answer, right? Like, so you already have the American records to, to put on your resume and add to your resume. The international medals are what count. And you've already put yourself in a, you know, at a young age in a position to get those medals. And listen, I, 
I, I, Steve mentioned it earlier. You're, you're going to get those medals, whether it be one or two, I don't know how many you're going to get, but you're going to get medals. And if, and when you do, those conversations are not going to stop. I mean, they're not going away. You better prepare mentally prepare yourself that if you're building up those medals, that idiots like us are going to be talking about it <laughs> a lot. And the let's run message boards are going to be flooded with that crap because it's, it's compelling. And, and people want to see, you know, the runner of their generation, the runner that they uh, followed the career of, they want to be able to say, Hey, listen, I watched the greatest to ever do it. So it's like, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's what we want. We want to root for it. We want to be a part of it. it. I think that's what it is. It kind of makes you feel a part of it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, these conversations are good things. Um, like you said, and I, I will put an asterisk, you know, sometimes less run can be a little, little aggressive, especially on like uh, yeah. women. Um, so I, I, I don't want to be insensitive and say like, don't, you know, let's runs a, only a good place, but cause sometimes those anonymous message boards can get out of hand. Um, yeah, I don't know if you caught yeah, my sarcasm there, Grandpa. Yeah, we should yeah. let's run a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, the, the sport, like, I guess in a broader sense, um, is hard to follow. Um, and you don't really get to hear from athletes much. Um, you, you see people when they race and that's kind of it. So, um, you know, that, that's another element that can be improved. And, and as those elements get, get improved, as athlete stories are told more, as you get to know, uh, personalities more and see more performances, um, you do open yourself up to all different opinions, whether good or bad. Um, and so you have to be a, a kind of okay with those. Um, you know, you don't have to be thrilled with everything everyone's saying, but, um, that is the nature of our sport. You know, we're at a base level, we're kind of entertainers. Um, you know, we, we aren't really providing a ton of value, uh, to the world besides entertainment and, uh, repping your sponsors. Um, but still people, people watch and it's exciting and, um, people, people care a lot during the Olympics. Um, and I think we can harness that enthusiasm and, uh, find a way for people to care, not every four years, but maybe on a yearly basis at, at minimum. Man, it, it's, uh, it's refreshing to hear a, a pro athlete say those things. Cause I think, um, there's a lot of uh, pro athletes that don't realize that, 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 uh, I mean, you hate, I, I hate it when people say like, oh, the, the sports wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the fans, but it's true. Right. And the fact that, you know, you, you kind of recognize that and you, you know, you're, you, 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 you kind of see the, the big picture, which is, which is really refreshing. Um, so I think I appreciate that. And I know a lot of our listeners will appreciate that. Um, but we're, we were already way past the time that I promised here and we haven't even gotten into the, the, the core peak too early topics that we need to get into. And I promise we won't take much up, up much more of your time. So you, you say you go to Europe, you, you set the set Europe on fire. You, 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 you set the American record and the 5k, and then you, you have a well-deserved after party at Oktoberfest. Tell us about Oktoberfest and how awesome was it to just let loose after accomplishing a goal like an American record? Yeah, man, it was great. Um, you know, this was a long season. Uh, we started championship racing back in May. Um, we've been running fast and hard since uh, February. Um, so to take it into September, that's a long time to be switched on physically and mentally. Um, and, you know, there are up and down emotions too, that, that mirrored performances, how things were going and, uh, things outside of running all things. So, um, you know, you get to the end of the season and, uh, you know, you kind of want to do the things that you, you don't do in season because they're bad for your performance. And a lot of times that's like going out and drinking and stuff. Um, so right after the season, I, I went out to Ibiza first, um, was in Ibiza for a few days and then Barcelona and then Munich. And, uh, man, Munich was fun. I was only in Munich for about 48 hours, but, um, Oktoberfest was, was incredible. I, I didn't really have expectations going in, but the amount of people there, um, you know, the, the festivities, uh, everyone's wearing their, their later hose in their traditional outfits. Uh, I, I made sure to get a set too, to fit in a little bit. Um, you know, you, it, it's a beer festival. So all, all there is to do really is drink and eat like beer battered foods. So, um, it, it was fun, man. It was super, super fun music playing everybody up on the tables, dancing and, you know, singing along to the songs. It was, uh, it was great. Um, and, uh, 
I, I really enjoyed it. I'm really glad I, I stayed over there and went um, because it, part of me wanted to get just back home and relax and, uh, you know, see my family. But spending a few days just, uh, you know, exploring Europe, um, going to these festivals and uh, hanging out. And then, uh, of course, made some time to, to see my family when I was back in the States. But, man, Oktoberfest was fun. Um, and those beers are tasty. I usually don't like beer that much, but uh, the, the ones over there are tasty. So I got to maybe go over to Germany uh, again, but in limited doses. Can't, can't become uh, too, too close to the bottle. But, um, yeah, it was a good time. Was- who, who, went, who went harder, you, Woody, or Centro? It was quite the trio. <laughs> um uh depending on the night um i i'm gonna i'll go with i'll go with woody probably right. i'll go with woody yeah yeah um yeah i'll go with woody uh but it was fun i mean those those two were super fun to travel with uh and and you know go out with and stuff and um those are two great friends of mine uh great training partners great friends and uh fun to share those memories man um like i think i'll look back in in several years and look back on that trip and and you know it'll it'll bring a smile for sure um regardless of you know if it's in 10 years or 20 years and i haven't been in touch with those guys like those will be good memories forever um so yeah if you've never been to oktoberfest in munich man it's fun it's super super fun (laughs) i mean it's a pain to get all the way out there and expensive but uh it's fun it's it's crazy Uh, you know we've been talking about it since day one since we started recording this podcast, but there's just that one tradition that unites all runners across the world. And it's, you train your ass off all year round or whatever you're training for, whether it's one race or a whole season. And then you get to taper season, championship season and bender season. That's like, that's the core. And, you know, everyone can relate to it, whether it's however you, however you uh, celebrate your bender season, whether it's a small little outing, uh, you know, treating yourself to like fast food or something or going to Oktoberfest, but it's, you know, it, it, everyone can relate to that. It's, it's the best. It's what you got your mindset on the entire year. Yeah. Those three <laughs> taper championship bender, and you got to have all three. It doesn't work without all three sports. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, without all three. you're just so dialed during the year. Like you're so focused on like, I, everything is performance based that, you know, the, the fun stuff, like, going out and have a, a big night out with your buddies like you know you sacrifice those in the moment but um it's almost more fun when you finish it off you've held it off and there's something to sell celebrate like something to 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 cheers to um and yeah by the end of by the end of the munich trip by the end of the euro tour i was like all right i, I i'm like itching to get back to discipline and training which which is uh, kind of the way that I, I like to start a season like um really wanting that that discipline um that, that structure, uh, that grind back. Um, so yeah, someone's got to let loose and, and have some fun. Yeah. I've been, I've been looking for that discipline for a few years. <laughs> <laughs> it gets hotter as you get older. I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh man. Well, Hey Grant, I, I really appreciate you taking some time to, to chat with us. I know the, the, our listeners are going to, are going to love hearing from you. We are so pumped for all the success you're having. It has been a blast watching you over the past couple of years and we we wish you the uh the the best luck you know kind of going forward and i want to see those medals man i i believe they're coming and i know you do too so um congratulations and thanks for coming on yeah yeah thank also, you guys always good talking also you got to go check out he he's he, he just released a, a, another half step pod so after you're done listening to this go back he, he he just released another half step pod where i'm sure he's going to go into more detail on the uh on the his new world record so yeah, appreciate that, guys. All right. Thanks again to uh, Grant Fisher for coming on the podcast. A lot of fun. Always fun talking with him. Um, you know, maybe maybe we'll have him back on the podcast when he gets a couple of those medals we were talking about, Mike. Um, but, yeah, a lot of fun. So um, our this, uh, this podcast is getting a little long. We had a nice long conversation with Grant, so I think we're going to go right into the, uh, the Bell app. Mike, what do you got people on the Bell app? Before I even get to my bill up, uh, I think we talked about this last time we talked to Grant. Uh, but anything I said about Grant Fisher in episodes like one through 40 of this episode or of this podcast, just don't just pretend like I never said any of those. I love Grant. He's the best. Um, you know, I think we addressed that head on with him. We did. In last the, in, yeah. In the past. Um, my bell app 
Steve, I, I feel like I this time of year I, I have to do it. I gotta talk Patriots. Um, and it, let me let's just talk this overtime ball on the fifty yard line. We got Bailey Zappy out there. Really, you got to move the ball fifteen yards. You get fifteen yards, you win the game. You put yourself in in uh, position to kick a field goal. What, what sequence are you running here, Steve? What what sequence of plays are you running here? I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, but I mean, I think that every single every single play, every single set of downs the Patriots had, it was pretty much run, run, pass. It was run, run, pass. Mm-hmm. Um, you gotta mix it up. You gotta. I. You gotta. You gotta go to. You gotta go to the stuff that they were given. Tom Brady in 2001, you got to do the, you got to do the quick slants. You got to do the, you got to do the dump offs. Just, I don't want Bailey Zappi to do anything heroic out there. I just want him to, you know, to, you know, maybe, maybe kind of, you know, pitch it out to, 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 uh, to, you know, to, to Parker, try to get, put his head down, get four yards, uh, you know, find Aguilar on a, on a quick slant, maybe hit Ramondre Stevens on a flat, but you got to give them a chance to move the ball 15 yards because they know run, run pass is coming. It's, it's what we did the entire third and fourth quarters run, run pass. Yeah. And, and when you put this rookie who got called into the game at, you know, in the middle of the game, third string quarterback, third and five, and he's got to drop back and win you the game. Like it's just, it's an impossible situation. I I agree. I wish we threw the ball on either first or second down. Or at that point, Steve, you're at a 62-yard field goal on third and five. So hand the ball off and try and get three yards, even if you can get. Yeah. I, I think Nick Folk's longest of his career is like 56 or 57. But whatever, if you can set him up for a 58, 59-yard field goal, then at least you're giving yourself a chance to win in, Lim- in Lambo. So I just... I, I, for whatever reason, that game was so painful because you had your third string quarterback. You had a chance to win the game. You were up by seven in the fourth quarter and you lost it. That one, it, it, it broke me a little bit. Um, but we lost to the Packers, who I think are a good team. We lost to the Ravens, who I think are a good team. We lost to Miami, who when they had two were a good team. We might be an all right team. That's all I got to say. Yet to be seen. Yet to be seen, but uh, yeah, I'll just end on this. Um, uh, if you haven't bought a sweatshirt, go buy a sweatshirt. Help us out. Um, we we need all the the help we can get to 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 sell the sweatshirts. Um, and then you know, I, I I think we got we were talking about it with Grant. We have a taper championship and vendor coming up here, and uh, you know, I know I'm gonna enjoy it. Uh, everybody who's participating along with us in this in this journey to indianapolis monumental marathon um this is this is why we do it we do it for we do it for these three steps so uh uh enjoy it don't take a second of it for granted so other than that mike uh i would have run faster but i peaked too early hit me with the joke josie's on a vacation far away come around and talk it over so many things that I just want to use your love tonight.